Oh, it's a world-class goal for Orange County. Hello, uh, everyone from all over the United States and the USL, and welcome to what is some sort of organized uh, USL Championship Group B preview. Uh, I will stick to the one person that I know is here, and I can hopefully pronounce his name correctly, Mr. Alan Underwood, representing San Diego Loyal SC and down in San Diego. How are you doing tonight, Alan? I am doing fantastic. Uh, I do think it's funny that Ray chose the Las Vegas goal against the Loyal this year uh, as the highlight, um, as in that's the only thing memorable Las Vegas has ever done. Uh, so fair play, I guess. But things are going well. How are you doing? Oh, you know, living it up. Uh, since you mentioned Vegas, we'll hop on over to Mr. BGN himself, the CEO, uh, El Jefe. Carson Merck, how are you? I'm not gonna lie to you. That intro music was bumping. I, I thought it was like DJ Premier was laying down a, an instrumental, but I, I feel like Allen's starting off firing shots. And I mean, I can't really disagree. But now I'm happy to happy to be here. And I forgot the USL existed for a minute, and then now it's back. So here we are. Right, just in time to get on top of the NWSL. We will hop over to someone new who I've never spoken to before, and I hope I can pronounce this name. Correctly, but representing Phoenix Rising FC and new to that gig at Rising is one uh, Ashley Oriana. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah you got it. <laughs> How are you doing, Ashley? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, happy that uh, all these people that know way more are here <laughs> to talk about things, so I don't have to say anything. We're all just happy soccer is coming back, like, <laughs> and that we get a season, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And then last, but certainly. Not least for us here in Orange County, Alicia Rodriguez. Boss lady, how are you? We have not seen you in a very long time. I know. Thanks for having me back on. Um, I, I've been given the brief of uh, covering Los Dos here. So um, 
feel a little different, but uh, hope to bring the same energy as, as I have in the past. But uh, yeah, happy to be here. Glad to have you, of course. So, oh, should I mention the man who's doing all the graphics and making this look pretty? I guess we will, even if he's the least popular one, Mr. Ray Samora, El Jefe of the Orange What's Black Soccer cast. How are you? <laughs> What's everyone? Although uh, you and Alan have been trying to, to boot me off that podcast now for a while, so I decided I'd give you an opportunity to uh, try uh, controlling the conversation while I try and control the cameras and, and whatnot on this end. Especially since we have this large group, I figured it'd be easier if we did it that way. Absolutely. Uh, of course, this is how you just make me make a fool of myself in front of all the USL. So yikes on my part. This looks like a terrible. This looks like a terrible Brady Bunch, to be honest. Carson, <laughs> um, Carson, Carson. Alan, you're dating yourself. <laughs> I, I thought is that, is that a stretch for people, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha? Anyway, I think I I'm gonna leave. I don't know. We're in a weird bunch, but let's go through and let's talk about who we think is probably gonna top this group because I think there's. I'm biased, but I think there's two main teams that have a shot at first place. Um, and one of those is Ashley's and one of those is mine. Um, so Ashley, why don't you go ahead and start? Uh, who is your pick for top of group B? Yeah, um, definitely picking my team. Um, we have got an amazing lineup this season, and I am so excited to see the extent of it. Um, we got a preview with game one, and then everything shut down. But obviously, like, we have these new key players that are just going to destroy it and kill it. Um, but I definitely think my second pick is going to be Orange County, just because you guys have gotten a lot of key players, too. And our rivalry is so, so good. So <laughs> um, I think that that's going to be my top two. Fair. I'll take it. Um, you know, always the bridesmaid here in Orange County. We'll hop on over up to Vegas. Carson, what's your pick? I am going to agree with Ashley and I think yourself as well. I think Phoenix is, I'm not even sure it's that close. I think they're comfortably number one. Um, Orange County, I think, is probably comfortable at number two as well, um, bringing people back like Ed Wilson. Then Shauna Coley obviously is a huge addition. We didn't get to see much, obviously, in the first match, but no, I, I think they're, this group of any of them is probably one that right when it came out, we all kind of looked at the teams and I was like, oh, okay, those two will be going through. So I don't think there's a lot of a lot of mystery there, but I also have to shout out to Alicia. Alicia is a God level writer and I just want to say salute to Alicia. <laughs> That's why we got you on here, Alicia. We wanted to just sing your praises for the next <laughs> hour. Uh, we'll hop on over to you since you've already been mentioned. Alicia, who's going to top this group? Well, first of all, thanks for the uh, compliment, Carson. I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of everybody's work here, so uh, happy to be in exalted company. But, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I think uh, Phoenix is is the favorite. I think Orange County has a good chance to uh, contend for top spot as well. To me, I think the the issue is that there are so many quality, even like the other three teams I think are, are have tons of potential. Um, I think the big thing is I wouldn't be surprised if this group is something that's really contentious. Um, you know, Phoenix is taking wins from 
Orange County. Orange County is taking wins from Phoenix, and um, it ends up being. I, I think it could be pretty tight. Um, you know, at the end of the of the season, assuming we make it to the end of the season. Um, but for me, I think it, it it's going to be uh, probably a bit tighter than um, outsiders would probably think. Um, I think Phoenix is is probably considered a runaway favorite um, outside of this region. But for those of us who follow this area pretty closely, um, I think it's going to be pretty tight. But for now, on paper, I definitely give the edge to Phoenix. It seems like we're kind of all on the same page here, and I definitely kind of echo the same sentiment where I'm thinking Orange County and Phoenix have really never, realistically, have never had a lot between them. Um, and I think they'll take points from each other, which means that maybe Car or excuse me, maybe Allen's team, San Diego, gets a shot. Allen, what are you thinking? Do you get in the top two? Uh, I think it's going to be uh, closer than a lot of people guess. Um, Phoenix has won once in Orange County. Um, I think people forget because it was a, a very large win, a very important win. Um, but they haven't really been, haven't really won a lot in Orange County. Um, and so I think if teams start uh, knocking each other around and stealing points off each other, it really boils down to, I think, how well Phoenix and Orange County play against San Diego and L.A. Um, L.A. has been in the past a kind of tricky team. They've been a playoff team last year. So I think this group is going to be more competitive than a lot of people lead, um, lead on to. Uh, Orange County has the benefit of playing four times against Vegas, and I think that might help them as well. Um, I do see a path for San Diego to sneak into the second spot. And I think it just boils down to um, kind of positioning and who plays when they have a orange County Phoenix at the end of the alleged season um, that could play a huge part. in if Phoenix already has it clinched up and San Diego needs to beat them to um, pass orange County, there's a, a chance that that happens. Um I've seen some people predict Los Dos finish third. Um, so I think there's, there is a path for a San Diego to sneak in. Um, and I do think also Los Dos can go on if, you know, things don't work out with MLS and they send a bunch of kids down to play Los Dos might end up being a, a more difficult team. Um, I think San Phoenix is the favorite. Um, I think odds would put Orange County ahead of F San Diego, but um, I see a path where San Diego can sneak in uh, just based on the math. Fair. Lots of craziness. Uh, our good friend Harry Austin down in San Antonio. Very unfortunate last name. I know I've mentioned that before, but his bold <laughs> prediction is that Los Dos, assuming they have the same team that they started the season with, finish above your loyal. Um, does this happen without MLS loans down? I like that he's a pure US USL side. I like that he said bold prediction and his last name is Austin. I like that kind of combined there, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, Los Dos uh, and Alicia can can dive a little more deep into it, but Los Dos for, I mean, years, last few years at least, they're like the Joker in the Dark Knight. It's like they just want to watch the world burn. Like they'll play one match and they'll lose by three, and then they'll play the next match and win by four. Like it's just you can never really predict it. I guess just because they're so young a lot of the time that. Um, young and talented. So I think it's tough to kind of get a feel on it, but no, I, I could see, I could see Los Dos probably with, I, I might even say Los Dos finishes third, to be honest with you. Vegas is probably finishing last. If I'm, I'm going to be completely candid. 
course, Vegas does have Frank Yallop in charge now. Lenaldo departed, what, two weeks ago, I believe? Yeah, and, something like uh, that. The former Fresno man, who did really, really well with this side that was not particularly all that great last year. But a lot of those guys have been scattered throughout um, this group. Uh, Ramon Del Campo ended up in Vegas. And I'm trying to think of all the guys that ended up down in San Diego. But Alan's probably one to tell me exactly who that would be. Kudus Lawal, right? Uh, Lawal and... Who else was there? It wasn't Mendiola, was it? No, he came from Reno. Yeah. I think there's another guy, but I think it's like one of the one of their bench guys. I can look it up. We know things. I'm I'm great. I know. We know things. We've had two games to learn the players. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I forgot have... most I forgot most <laughs> of the players' names. I won't lie to you. I was like when when Ray reached out about doing the preview, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm down for sure. And then I was like Hmm, I wonder if I can name half of the starting 11. It's been a minute. So, Elijah Martin. There we go. I did not know. Oh, yeah. Tip my tongue. I do remember that one. Wonderful stuff. Anyway, have we all gotten a chance to take a look at the schedules that were released today? Yes. Yep. Yes. I figured we would because we're all on a podcast talking about soccer. <laughs> Have you been able to highlight one match that you think is going to be the most important for your side? Kind of the biggest match. Um, like for Orange County, I would say it's probably our first match, which is against Phoenix. And if it's not that one, then it's probably our second match, which is also against Phoenix like nine days later. So, you know, is, is it rivalry stuff for uh, for you guys? Or is it going to be more of a, this is where I think the teams will be after five, six matches and it's a... It's a um, kind of a winner-go-home situation. Uh, Alan, why don't you start us off with that? Um, I actually think for Loyal, the more important games are at the end of the season. Um, we finish the season uh, against Orange County and against Phoenix. And I think by that point, those two games are going to play a huge role. I do think you're right. Like That first game out will be kind of important because it is against Real Monarchs. Um, but we finish... Um, we're pretty much fi finishing against Phoenix and Orange County. So I think like that last run in is going to be uh, extremely important to kind of placement uh, within the league. Actually, our last two games are against Phoenix. So it's home Orange County away Phoenix, home Phoenix. Um, I know you said one, but I think those three games make or break loyal season because I think they're in contention to finish strong or at least uh, finish in a second place contention. But Orange County, Phoenix, Phoenix is a is a tough go. Um, but I think if they can get points out of that three matches, they end up in second. Ashley, for you down to Phoenix, your team starts off against Los Dos. Um, without fans, it will definitely go better than last year's home match against Los Dos. But what are what are the oh, big yeah. ones for Phoenix this year? Um. I agree. I think um, the Orange County is going to really define um, the mental game of our guys. I think that's where we struggle the most is, uh, especially last season, you saw that at the beginning of the season, you have so much talent, but if you all are on different pages, like you're just going to lose every match because every man wants to be the star. So um, I think with Orange County, we're going to see some competition and they're out of their element. Um, so I think that those games will be important. What stuck out to me the most was we have an away game on August 8th 
at New Mexico United. And then four days later, we're away in LA Galaxy. So we got to go from New Mexico to California in four days. So I that to me is um, probably the most like troubling or hardest, I guess, because I mean, four days, like, <laughs> and you like, you'd want to practice, you want to get settled in the new area. I, I don't see how one of those we could come out with a strong win, maybe a tie or barely a win. But to me, that's kind of difficult. I can see that. And uh, honestly, there's not too much settling that one can really do in. Yeah. <laughs> We'll hop on over to Alicia, uh, representing kind of the dark horse team, I think, for all of us in this. Um, still with a shot. Uh, what do you think the biggest matches for Los Dos are this season? So um, it was mentioned earlier, but I think that um, there's a good chance that Los Dos is going to be without some, probably some key players in the opening weeks of the USL season because of uh, the MLS tournament that's scheduled to take place in Orlando. So the likes of Kai Kareniak, who scored a brace in the opening game, um, he'll likely be off with uh, the MLS team for the opening weeks of the season. So for that reason, I picked um, August 22nd against Orange County. Um, it's going to be at Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, I think that's important because I think that it'll that'll come after the tournament is scheduled to end. Um, so presumably some of the players who won't be getting a lot of playing time uh, with the MLS team uh, – you know, moving forward, if, if the season continues, they can jump down to the USL team. And, and I think that uh, that could really boost the team, depending on what they're up, up to at the time. Um, so if they're in any sort of like decent position, I think by the time that August 22nd game rolls around, uh, that could really be kind of a make or break uh, fixture for them, because if they get a good result there, then they may get some momentum for the final weeks of the season. And, and you know, even if they're kind of sitting back a little bit or if they're in, you know, fourth place or something, uh, it doesn't look like they're in the running. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they made a run towards the end of the season um, with maybe some reinforcements uh, in the squad. I have to agree with you. Um, I think Orange County really, really, and I know you actually, Alicia, mentioned this uh, in what you posted earlier um, on Angels on Parade, but I think that last five weeks for Orange County are, are really, really big. Uh, the last three matches that Orange County plays are away, um, and that's against Phoenix, and that's against Los Dos. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, I don't think Vegas is going to be much of a challenge, especially by the end of the season. They'll probably be cutting down ankles by that point. But those two matches there are massive, and uh, I think Los Dos is going to have some MLS players down, as, as both of you have predicted thus far. But Carson, what's the bit? What does does Vegas get a big match? Or is that just the weird result they pull out? You you never really know, but the uh, I yeah I think the biggest thing I don't know if we're gonna get the cash drop this year, which is which is something. But no, I'm not sure. I mean, the second to last match is Reno, which is a rivalry match. So if I had to pick one, I guess it's that. Um, like I said, I just don't. Frank Yallop is known for less than attacking soccer. Um, and Vegas is kind of built for that a little bit. They have more quality defenders than they do have attackers. So they're kind of built for that. So I'm not sure exactly what we're going to see. Obviously, he's inheriting a team. So it's not like he has a lot of the players that he might be more familiar with. Uh, Del Campo a little bit. But 
So the, the Reno match, probably second to last game. Um, if somehow Vegas is in the running or maybe even more than that, if they can spoil, I don't know Reno's group off the top of my head, but if somehow they can maybe spoil Reno's group or their chances, I mean, that's kind of a Vegas thing. You mentioned the rough tackles and, and whatnot. So spiting another team, especially the rival, is kind of right up their alley. I think they'll make a very, very good heel for this group, no matter what they do. I imagine eventually some tempers are going to flare in the third time one of these teams plays Vegas. And they they're, the, they're the definitive heel in this group, right? Yeah. They have to be. Well, like I the NWO? Them. Okay. I, I can dig that. RP Macho Man. But, um, yeah, no, that, that Vegas is the heel is, is pretty – it's pretty on the nose. I – I only worry about it because of player safety. Otherwise, I think it will be very, very interesting to watch happen. Um, I will quickly go through the five of you and ask who four of you. I'm not good at counting. Actually, we'll get Ray in and we'll ask what Ray's opinion is. Who's your key player for this short season? Uh, Alan, why don't you go ahead because you're in the top left. Um, I'm going to have to go with the consensus pick. I think offensively we might be all right, uh, but I think the season boils down to Joe Greenspan uh, centering that three-man uh, three back line. Um, if he can defend like we think he can defend, uh, Loyal are going to be a tough team to beat on that last line of defense. So I think it comes down to if Greenspan can stay on the pitch and healthy, um, and he's back and healthy again, so we're looking forward to that, but I think it's Greenspan. Alicia, I know there's a lot, a lot of kids up there in Carson, but who's going to be the uh, most important one? Who's going to be the prom king? Yeah, I'm trying to, uh, you know, kind of gauge who I think is going to stay back and who's going to be playing. And, you know, granted, uh, Los Dosis, quite a few academy players or, um, you know, players who have just left the academy. So sometimes it's hard to, to gauge who's going to be around. But um, I think... For me, it's probably a, a combination of Augustine Williams. He's somebody who's one of the only uh, veterans on the roster. Um, you know, I, I think he'll probably stick around. And, um, yeah, I, I think he'll be counted on to, to score some goals. I also think Cameron Dunbar could be a player who might stay back. Um, if not, he'll most certainly play the back half of the season. Uh, he is an MLS signing, and he's uh, I think he just turned 18. But – um, you know, he looks like he's putting on some muscle. He's also an attacker. Um, he scored in the opening game of the season. Uh, I think the Galaxy are pretty high on him, but since they have a player named Chicharito, um, you know, starting up top, I don't expect Dunbar to, to get starters minutes anytime soon. So uh, he could potentially be a breakout star as well. Yeah, for those of you that are unaware, Cameron Dunbar is 17 years old. And we'll be 17 Very at good. the end of this season. It's terrifying. Uh, he will graduate from high school next year. And um, I I was doing nothing with my life. And I was going to say, well, look, at, look at us right now. None of us right? are 17. And now, now look where I am uh, a little bit past that, and I'm on a soccer podcast. No Everybody. disrespect to any of you. Um, oh, my neighbors are setting off some fireworks or something. Carson, who's the man for Vegas besides Frank Yallop? I was going to say, honestly, Frank Yalp was kind of who comes to mind just because he's stepping into such an odd situation where he literally has stated and stated he won't be back next season. So he's essential scenario for this year. Um, 
if I had to pick a player, probably Del Campo, just because he'll be the most familiar with Yallop. And if Vegas is the succeed, it will be defending well and potentially scoring a lot on set pieces, which I know they did a decent bit last year and they didn't have Del Campo. So I would say Del Campo probably, but I think Yallop will be how he steers the team will be the most crucial to their success for sure. I like that we're on the same page. It's like a telepathic connection over there. Hey, man. Actually, they're much like Los Dos, but instead of having a bunch of teenagers, you actually have like basically two Adult. first teams of yeah. uh, USL leading players. So who is going to make the difference? Man, um, that is so hard. Like you said, it's almost like we have two starting lineups and I am wondering how Rick is going to run this because he has so much talent and we're all ready to see it. Um, I think probably the most crucial player is going to be John Baccaro. Um, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention at all, but um, he, the man can shoot from like anywhere and score. And it's kind of scary if you watch it. Um, and I'm I'm so excited to see him actually on the field. And the fact that he'll be kind of running the center mid too. Um, we've also seen that play out. And it is just, it's cool for me to see him take on the team um, with the ownership too level. Just, you know, distributing, coaching the guys. I really think that he'll be a key player. We, I mean, we have so much talent. We got Santi Moore this season. Um, Rufat Dadashov really made um, a huge impression the first game. I mean, he had a hat trick. Like, how much better can you get? <laughs> um, and then we also have Lagos Kunga, which I'm excited to see more of. Um, we got him on loan from Atlanta. And he did score the first game, too. So um, he plays in the midfield and is very quick, very quick. So um, I don't know. We'll see. Rick's got a lot on his plate this season. <laughs> Definitely not the kind of job I'd want to have, but probably the kind of team I would want to watch. Um, bring back Bicaro, probably going to be very, very successful for yeah. Phoenix. But Ray is bringing back Intervals in the key, or is it someone else entirely? Who do you got? Uh, so, yeah, Enna Volton is going to be a huge key for Orange County. Uh, Orange County fans saw two seasons ago what that man can do on the pitch. I think USL fans saw what that, that man could do on the pitch. Uh, he's going to be counted on to score a lot of goals. Now, the, the difficult part for him and for maybe some of the players on this roster is the quick turnaround on some of these matches. Uh, that's where I, I'm going to go sort of a dark horse here. I'm going to say the youth on Orange County is going to be a, a big, big plus for them this season. It's going to allow... Uh, and with the five subs, it's going to allow uh, Coach Braden Cloutier the opportunity to rotate quite a bit. I'm uh, hearing from sources from the club that uh, uh, Francis Jacobs is looking really, really good in training. Uh, he's not looking like a, what, 16-year-old or, or you know a youngster out there. He's, he's looking like a man out there among men, which is a positive sign. Anyone that watched him out in Dubai uh, a few months ago when he was playing with the Rangers youth uh, team, he looked like a man out there uh, among boys. Uh, so I, I think the youth uh, that Orange County has really invested uh, in lately uh, from their goalkeeper, Aaron Cervantes, uh, Francis Jacobs, to some of these newer signings and some of the youngsters coming over from the Rangers, it's going to be a big part of this condensed season where you're going to rely on rotations uh, and 
players that potentially can play uh, two 90 minute matches in, in a week and not be exhausted by the time that week is over. What about you, Dylan? Good question. I think if Aiden Quinn has another career year, um, he's already had two very, very good ones since he arrived in Orange County. I think if he has a career year, that's the that's the key for Orange County. Um, much like John Beccaro controls the Phoenix midfield, and Charlie Adams, former Orange County player, uh, controls the um, San Diego midfield, I think. If, if Quinn's on form and he's able to distribute the way he's distributed the last two seasons, you have a very, very good chance. Uh, if... If he's not, I, I don't know if we if we can really play out and not be through him. So I don't know. It's it's a good time. I honestly have no other questions in my head, um, which is a sad thing. I have a very small little brain. So if any of you have anything that you would like to talk about, now would be the time. I think what makes Group B also interesting is the depth of each roster. Um, we can say the same thing for San Diego. They they uh, had nine different starters uh, between game or nine switches between game one and two. Um, they played almost an entirely new squad for their second game, and I think that's um, what makes Group B so compelling. Is you can watch these teams play one one team on Saturday and then say that see the same team again, and now you were watching two different teams play whether that's Phoenix or San Diego or Orange County, like it's going to be super interesting to put together two rosters of competitive teams. Uh, Cause I think that can steal a couple points. And unlike a normal USL season where you can drop like four or five games and still be totally fine. Orange County lost to Tacoma last year and we thought they were out of the play. Then they like went on an eight game winning streak and ended up sneaking back in. So, USL and USL fans are used to this kind of like really long season and ups and downs. This is going to feel way different, I think. And I think every game is going to feel like it matters 10 times more. So it's half the games, and now you have to get to second in your group. Um, I think we're going to see uh, coaches change up how they approach each individual game. I think you're going to see some really fun gamesmanship between some really good coaches in Phoenix and Orange County. Um, and it's going to put a lot of pressure on the new coaching staff in San Diego to be able to compete with uh, these two coaches in the West who have been uh, phenomenal in getting their teams ready and competitive when they need to be ready and competitive. Um, so I, I think that's another thing to keep an eye on is there's so many, there's so much depth in group B versus some of those other groups. I love it. Um, I am excited. I think players are going to be exhausted. I think technical staff is going to be exhausted. I think fans will be exhausted after what's probably just going to turn into uh, throwing haymaker after haymaker after haymaker after whatever team they're playing next. Um, Ashley, barely in at Rising is one and already trying to usurp my role here. Probably more qualified <laughs> for it, but popping in with the what do you think will be your team's weakness since you asked we'll let you go first what is phoenix's weakness um i think our big biggest weakness will be our midfield um i did say that john is like the leader in that area but he's also the only one like we have a ton of people who can play defense a ton of people who can play offense like our forwards 
I mean, we got the power, but who's going to distribute? Um, I really don't know who's going to help John in the midfield. They've been playing with a couple of different people like um, um, Aguinaga, Lambert, um, Lagos, but there still hasn't been a solid duo of midfield happening. So I think that that'll probably be our biggest weakness and mindset. After a while, I feel like um, you all know from last season, the guys got really cocky and then choked in the playoffs. So let's hope that doesn't happen again, happen again this season, but um, let's not get cocky. <laughs> well, it seems to be the MO for Phoenix is do oh, really, yeah. really, really well until the game that it matters. Oh, yeah. This is, a, <laughs> this is not what we're here for. Now. No. This is not a trash talking podcast. Though, you know, what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, it might very quickly become a trash talking podcast. Alicia, what's Los Dos's big weakness here? Well, I'm glad that Ashley explained why Bacaro was so important because now I know that they have no midfielders. He's the only one. It makes a lot more sense. But um, no, for Los Dos, it, uh, it's, it's got to be um, what their squad's going to look like week to week. And particularly, like I said before, with the, the uh, MLS tournament in Orlando, um, because that's going to be on particularly short rest, like even shorter rest than uh, the USL championship season then they're definitely going to be taking as many players as they can. Um, and some of those youngsters are going to be getting some MLS time. Um, so I, I think some of the key players are going to be gone. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's the nature of MLS two teams. Um, and certainly uh, Galaxy 2 have done this over the years as well, where, you know, players are popping in and out week to week. I think with the academy shut down for now, um, there's probably going to be a lot more uh, cohesion with the squad, even with the core group that sticks around for the you know the first half of the season um, here in in Southern California. But um, yeah, that's always the the big concern with MLS two teams. And Los Dos has definitely gone against the tide, I think, for the most part in their history. But um, you know that I mean they could. I, I think we could very easily. As, as much as I think we're all sort of taking them seriously and, and touting them as potential contenders um, to get out of the group, you know, we all know that it's it's almost as likely they could, you know, really crash out and, and be kind of the can, cannon fodder for the group too. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, how it shakes out. And I think I have high hopes for them, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever if, uh, you know, they start laying eggs to start the season and they never get any traction because, they just don't have a, a squad to compete with the rest of the teams in the group. I think it's a fair worry. Um, definitely Team Chaos, which is saying something because Vegas is also Vegas. Yeah, in this exactly. group. So Carson, what is Vegas's weakness besides picking up needless bookings? <laughs> uh, so I'll just say or tell a little story. It's not good when your manager gets fired during a pandemic when there's not any matches happening. Um, so I would guess the weakness would just be overall, you have literally a transition at, you could say the worst time you're building into a already a different season or kind of abnormal season. And then you add in, you have a new manager coming in. So I would say that, I mean, Vegas over the other seasons, it's just, it's kind of, chaos and anarchy at all times anyway so it's just that it's just that but amplified because of the abnormal season structure so it's gonna be just i think trying to figure out how to play 
with a new manager and with a new style. And then the roster was initially, which feels like forever when I was breaking it down before the season, it was, I mentioned earlier, it was very back heavy. Like they have a ton of defenders and they have like maybe three true out and out like forwards or attacking players. So goals might be tough to come by as well, but um, I, w- I would just say uncertainty revolving around Vegas would be the main issue there. Alan, what is San Diego's weakness besides fondness for beer? <laughs> That's one of them. Um, I think they're in the boat of trying to learn how to put a team together and see what works for the players. Um, the coaching staff, Landon Donovan's never coached before. Um and but they have a really good um, technical staff and Nate Miller um, and Kerry Taylor is phenomenal. Uh, I would just say the weakness is if it takes a little while for San Diego to kind of get things to click on the pitch in a competitive match, uh, it is going to be very, very difficult uh, to dig yourself out of a hole. Uh, we saw that they were a little underwhelming against Vegas. Uh, Vegas was very much uh, Jeff Goldblooming out there on the pitch. Um, and it was not pretty. Um, and I think San Diego got nervous and they didn't have the team chemistry they needed to pull through. Um, they look better against Tacoma, but I mean, it's against Tacoma. Uh, I think their biggest weakness is just going to be time. Uh, if they start out slow, it's going to be really hard to pull themselves back out. So they got to start strong, um, and figure out how to play as a team right out of the gate. Are you saying that Jeff Goldblum is not pretty? Was that kind of the takeaway there? I don't know. Goldblum, Jurassic Park, Chaos Theory. Yeah, but then you said it wasn't. Random. You said it wasn't. Oh, no, that's pretty. what I'm saying. Like, just wasn't pretty. Jeff Goldblum is not a pretty. Guy. Perfect amount of chest there. I don't know. <laughs> Somehow, he, Alan and Carson have turned a lower division soccer preview podcast into something even nerdier than what it was when it started. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you calling Jeff Goldblum nerdy? He's a national treasure, sir. He's a national treasure. No, that was Nicholas um, Cage, I think. Oh, I know, yeah. Uh, I'll, take, uh, I'll take Goldblum over uh, oh, of Nick course. Cage. All right, I feel but, like I need to put um, my foot. Oh, no, go ahead. If we're, if we're talking about soccer and not Jeff Goldblum, please. No, I, I just, I just, uh, Vegas's MO is chaos. It's, it's not pretty soccer. It's plug up everything you can plug up, throw the kitchen stink at stuff, shoot from a kickoff. Like, come on. It's it's it is chaos. It's not predictable. Uh, it's not always pretty. It's always entertaining, I guess. But I, think it, I just think they're going to be totally different now with Yalop. Like yeah, Yalop is true. Like, basically the opposite kind of manager. So I think they're just going to like pack the box. Teams are going to have to break them down. They're going to like get two shots a game. Like, it's I just think it's going to be the opposite of what it's been. And it's going to be interesting to see how the squad that's been built. Like basically, it was a squad of Winalda's favorites. They're going to have a manager who's completely the opposite, um, who's going to be leading them. It's going to be really interesting for sure. How, how fast are, can he? How fast can he train that out of them? I think is the question. Yeah. How fast can you get rid of that chaos built into those players, and like actually something functional? Well, and in chaos, the West, if they in the, the West, chaos. if you can defend, you're good the chaos now is going to be that they're going to be actually a normal organized team. So they keep you guessing. They're typically unorganized, but they're going to be like, Hey, here's a little diversion. We're actually going to defend well and play, you know, fundamental soccer. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a ride. 
I love it. I love the chaos of the West usually, and I love the chaos of this group of death. And I know people elsewhere in the West are not going to agree with this assessment that it is a group of death, but it absolutely is. Um, Ray, get on in here. Tell us what is Orange County's weakness? Uh, I, I think the biggest. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. I said the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We could kick him out of oh. here. It's not too late. We'll just erase that. Yeah, we, we could. We could do that. Um, no, I, I think the biggest weakness, at least that I can think of off the top of my head, because we didn't pre-choose what these questions were going to be, uh, is who is going to back up Thomas Enavoltson uh, at the forward spot up there uh, as the, the the primary goal scorer. Uh, many fans were hoping that uh, Vinicius would return this season to sort of take that role there. I know Darwin Jones can sort of slot into that spot if need be in a pinch, but that's going to be a big question for this team is who is going to uh, pick up the slack when Thomas Enovaltson has to uh, take a match off because we know uh, regardless of how great that, that Danish man is, uh, he is not going to be able to play every single match with such a condensed schedule uh, on this, uh, this crazy season. Fair enough. I actually have to agree with that, though. And this leads me to my next question, which is actually Alicia's question. Having five subs is probably going to help with having Inavildson playing a lot. So what do you all think of the five subs, as Alicia described it, back to the future for the USL? Because it wasn't all that long ago that much like the early days of MLS, they were just kind of doing random stuff and throwing it at the wall and seeing what stuck. So Alicia, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's obvious that it's necessary. I, you know, given all of the leagues around the world are adopting this, and um, you know, player safety is paramount. I mean, beyond coronavirus itself, but you know, just injuries and whatnot, um, making sure you get adequate rest, that kind of thing. I think it's um, you know definitely needed. But it's just really funny that uh, I think it was 2016. You know, we had five subs a game in, in this league. And people were like, oh, what a Mickey Mouse league. You know, this is so lame. We got to get with the times. And they they changed it finally. Um, and now we're actually coming back to USL standards, um, but just around the world, um, which is, you know, a little bit humorous for us old heads who've, who've followed the league for a while. So I, I thought that that was kind of a nice little touch, um, you know, with the rule change, with the, with the little USL twist um, when that came through. Right. It's like the good old days when VAR was very, very, uh, in, in the very, very stages of its infancy and getting tested out in the USL. I, I feel like my fear with the five subs is if anyone watched the NWSL Challenge Cup with North Carolina yesterday, which you should be watching. So um, they brought off the bench Sam Mewis, Crystal Dunn, and Denise O'Sullivan, who are all like national team stars. I have a very similar like fear for Phoenix that they're going to have rested like Asante more and somebody else and at halftime they're just gonna be like yeah let's just bring them in it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting I know a lot of people mentioned that the across soccer whether it's an EPL or anything else five subs benefits the deeper better teams so if you're Vegas and you get five subs it helps with you know physicality and you know energy but if you're Orange County or if you're Phoenix then it helps with you can just bring on some really good players and they're running at more tired legs. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I like it. It, it. it definitely is a little bit of a throwback. I love it. Uh, Ashley, 
with the team that is probably most likely to benefit with the introduction of five subs. I assume yeah. you're for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm curious to see how Chris will do it. I just saw, I think it was Chris Walker said halftime will be beneficial. And I totally agree with that because I think it said at halftime, it's not going to affect like or mark against you if you substitute. So you could essentially swap out as many players as you want and it's not going to hurt you. So I think that that would be the most beneficial because you can swap out like huge elements. Um, I talked about this on our podcast. I said, um, I think in Premier League, only one team, it, the last time I checked, I think it was Manchester United had used their five subs. And I, I think people are just leery of changing the lineup. If something's working, like don't, don't mess it up. So I'll be curious to see how Rick navigates that but i mean we just had a video of santi moore and kevin lambert work together in practice and run an amazing um wing and score and so it's crazy i mean if they just substituted like key pieces like that i don't know <laughs> alan yes um I think it gives, to me, the biggest thing is player safety and being able to protect players and make sure they're healthy. Um, if it gives a side a, an advantage, good for them. Um, when we look at five subs, what that allows you to do is your normal three plus an extra one, and you keep one in your pocket in case for injury. And we have seen, if you've been watching some of the other leagues, there are um, there have been way more injuries than normal. Uh, and so I just want to make sure that players have a chance to stay healthy because uh, nothing's going to hurt uh, the level of play if you have four, five, six, seven injuries. Now, it doesn't matter how deep you are in those same players, and that's just going to create more injuries. Um, yeah, you can change up an entire, you know, setup you have. You know, with three subs, it limits a little bit of the formations you can create. But if you have four or five subs, you can essentially change your entire um, tactical formation uh, mid-game and completely change uh, the feel of the game. Um, so I think it will benefit those teams uh, that have deeper benches, uh, but I think that's kind of a byproduct of making sure that players stay healthy and we have good competitive matches uh, if, and, if and when the fin uh, season can finish. Yeah, I mean, um, at least in, if we look at it in terms of Orange County, I think, and, and Ray, I'll get to you on this after, but I think this really benefits us because we have like a child labor camp of 17 year old internationals that need time to develop and need game time. And uh, kids like Francis Jacobs, who are probably good enough to play in the USL, but maybe not good enough to start. So I think the five subs, uh, if nothing else for our side, um, discounting player safety and being able to make tactical changes will give some of those less deep sides uh, a chance for their younger players to develop. Right. Do you see anything different? What are you thinking? Uh, so I, I get the point of the five subs. I, I understand why the league is doing it. I understand the benefit to teams like Orange County, Phoenix, uh, and some others around the league with the, the deep rosters. I guess I just have to say this. I, I'm more of a traditionalist. I like the traditional rules of things. I, I have a hard time with change just in life in general. Uh, so when sports starts changing up rules, uh, it, it 
it takes a while for me to get used to it, get comfortable with it. I can go back to NBA when they decided to change the halftime or the half court, you know, from 10 seconds to eight seconds to get the ball across the half court. I had a real difficult time for a year or two with that. Uh, now I'm used to it because it's been there. So I, I, I will assume with, with soccer, if this stays, I will get used to it. If this is just for this special season, then I'm fine with it because I understand why they're doing it. Uh, the players are coming back rather quickly. There's not going to be a lot of fitness, so you need to do it. Uh, but like was mentioned earlier, is is this has been offered, uh, you know, the Premier League, and it isn't happening. I, I'm uh, sadly I'm a, a Tottenham fan, and I've been sort of yelling at my screen, just knowing that Tottenham isn't in fitness right now, uh, and wondering why. Uh, Jose Mourinho isn't doing that. I'm wondering what the the strategies will be in the USL and if there will be coaches that are reluctant to do that as well, uh, even though that is offered to them. Ray is the old man yelling at the cloud. No more substitutes. He wants to go back to the glory days before cards and offside calls and you know probably back to the rounded rounded no more, no, yeah no more VAR because VAR is horrible. If you watch the Tottenham match today, that was a horrible call. All right, all right. All right. This, this is not a this is not a Tottenham podcast. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, wow. I felt like I had one more question in my head, and then it just popped out. So instead, we're hit fifty minutes. We've talked so much. Hopefully, people that aren't familiar with our clubs are now more familiar with our clubs. We'll go through all six of us that are here. If you want to plug your social medias, by all means, we'll let you go ahead, um, Alicia, since you can run off to being back to being a mother. Uh, Alicia, <laughs> where can people find you on the internet? And there are a lot of places, so mention them all. Yeah. Um, okay, so you can find me on uh, Twitter at Soccer Musings. Uh, currently, I work for SB Nation. I cover all the soccer teams in California. So that includes... Um, Orange County SC, I cover them for Angels on Parade, uh, cover Los Dos for LAG Confidential, and I also cover uh, Sacramento Republic for Indomitable City Soccer. So um, yeah, I'm, I've been paying close attention to what's going on with USL, so if you ever wanna chat that up with me, I'm, I'm happy to chat about it. But uh, thanks for having me on again, guys. I, I really had a good time tonight. Uh, well, it's a pleasure to have you. Definitely the brains, the operation, the boss <laughs> lady of the USL. We'll talk to someone who has no qualifications compared to you. Alan, where can people find you on the internet? Damn, I thought oh. it was going to be me. I was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew it was going to be me, and he's not wrong. Uh, you can we find me at A. Underwood. <laughs> I'm like, a kid's coming to me. Uh, a. Underwood 48 on the Twitter machines. Uh, the San Diego Loyal uh, podcast I'm on is Fairweather Podcast, fair underscore pod. We just interviewed Colin Martin and highlighted playing for Pride today, so go check it out. A little whoop whoop there. Ashley, where can people find you? At all the places, because I know you do a lot. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Ashley M. Oriana. Um, you can also follow Arizona Sports. I do photography, sports photography, so I shoot for them. So yeah, um, Instagram, if you're an Instagrammer, it's just my first name underscore last name. So, yep. Yes, Alan chimes in that he has heard you're one of the best. <laughs> I see your stuff pop up on Twitter all the time. It checks out. Carson, where can people find you? I'm glad I'm not Alan, but the uh, <laughs> that's where you can find me. Oh, yeah. Isn't everyone? I'm, glad I'm not Alan, but uh, no, I'm, I'm 
on Twitter at Carson A. Merck. Um, you can always follow at the BGN FM where we're all somewhat affiliated except for Alicia, which will poach her at some point. But um, no, yeah, feel free follow. We cover the lights. Been covering the NWSL Challenge Cup, the other football podcast at other F ball pod. If you're intrigued by that as well, we talk a dabble in a bit of soccer, mostly nonsense, but yeah, feel free. We have a nice little soccer community there at a BGN. So come on board. It's a great place. And we talk a lot of nonsense here. So people who like this podcast are probably going to really like your podcast as well. Mr. Ray Samora, where can people find you? Uh, you could find me, uh, there we go, at DJ Ray Samora on Twitter. You could also find the podcast on Twitter at OCSC underscore podcast. Uh, this is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We do a live broadcast every Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. So check us out if you've never heard of us or this is your first time watching anything uh, with us involved. Come check us out. We're sort of like what Carson does. We talk some soccer, but we also just talk a bunch of nonsense. Uh, I think we are one of the few soccer podcasts that kept going like, literally weekly uh throughout this pandemic and we started getting to the point where we couldn't figure out what to talk about from time to time luckily uh, alan and i are in video game soccer leagues so that took up a lot of our space and dylan is a video game soccer play-by-play man so it worked out perfectly yeah (laughs) so lots of nonsense how do you you air quote that how is that possible how is that not real (laughs) i mean like the guys on NBCSN aren't that good, right? Oh, yeah, pretty bad. I don't know. Yeah, and I, you know, they're here, they're here. <laughs> I'm down here. Hey, when you're there, though, you're in the picture. You're on the so show. I'm doing so- okay, fine. I'm, I'm down, I'm down here, yeah. out of picture. Um, if you somehow haven't been able to read any of our names, you know, maybe you, you lost on the typing there. Um, you can find me on Twitter at OCSE underscore Dylan or on Reddit slash U slash OCSE underscore Dylan. For everyone here involved and for everyone at BGN, for Ashley, for Alicia, for Carson, for Alan, for Ray, and for myself, uh, thanks for joining us. And we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye.